Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello and welcome to part two of the episode. What made whites now and then able to be so cruel to the slaves and blacks today? Last week, we ended with talking about the cruelty that white owners not only practiced against their slaves, but allowed their children to witness these practices for generations. As stated last week, when a child is allowed not only to see, but to be taught as right the whipping, torture, selling, and killing of another human being, generation after generation, that child is no longer able to understand the humanness of that other person. Not only do they no longer recognize the other person's humanity, they have actually lost a part of their own. From that point on, instead of having nightmares, experiencing trauma, or some other type of emotional shock, they looked forward to such events. And that lack of empathy has been passed on generationally. White Americans don't want to talk about slavery because it goes against their perception of our country as a just and enlightened nation. There's a shame that comes with our history of slavery, so no one wants to talk about it. And when it does come to the surface, 
there's always defense that says it's someone else's fault. That's what we hear when one says, well, my family never owned slaves. Whites didn't have to own slaves in order to benefit from slavery. There's a difference between talking about race and the problems of race, which makes people very uncomfortable. Not talking about racism does not make it go away. It was a normal thing in which slaves were blamed for whatever went wrong. It was a normal thing in which the slaves were to blame for whatever went wrong. If the tobacco or cotton crops didn't grow well, the slaves were to blame. When the South lost the war to the North, it was the slaves who were to blame. According to the belief of many, it's Blacks and Latinos who are to blame for all the violence in this nation, in spite of the violence that's been used against Blacks and Latinos. We need to wake up and understand what's truly wrong with this nation and its denial of its past. The movie Birth of a Nation, which was originally entitled The Klansman, was created for the purpose of white supremacy and the oppression of Blacks. It was made with the intent to show Blacks as inhuman, rapists, and a people who needed to be oppressed. That movie, released in 1915, is known as the most reprehensible racist movie ever made in Hollywood history. In this movie, the KKK is portrayed as a heroic force necessary to preserve American values, protect the women, and maintain white supremacy, while Blacks, played mostly by white men in blackface, were portrayed as ignorant, stupid, and sexually aggressive toward white women. This is the belief that many whites, even while knowing is completely untrue, prefer to carry with them until today. As a little girl, I was molested by someone very close to our family. I kept that secret well into my adult life. I began to refer to it as my secret shame. My earthly father had already passed away and my mother was already in her late 60s when I finally told her what had happened to me, but still never told her who the individual was that touched me. It was not until I began to talk about that shame that I was actually set free from it. And the most important thing about talking about it was coming to the realization that it was not my fault and it was not my shame, but the shame of the person who touched me. I was totally innocent and an unwilling victim. The secret shames of this nation must be talked about openly and placed squarely where it belongs. In order for it to be set free from its sins of systematic racism, the wrongs done, not just to slaves, but black men and women throughout the history of this nation, simply because their skin was black, needs to be accepted by this nation. Where it's being said that all of the violence in this nation is being caused by blacks and Latinos, the reality is that the violence is mostly against those specific groups and other minorities. Unfortunately, too many whites truly believe that the majority of crime is perpetrated by other races. And it was all accepted as truth when the former president said that the immigrants and those trying to enter into the United States from South America were murderers and rapists. 
This is the same lie that's been told since the slaves were set free. There's a way that a question can be asked or a statement made to an individual, especially someone who is insecure, that will immediately put them on the defensive. It will cause them to immediately go into protection mode where they feel that they have no alternative but to do whatever is necessary to defend themselves. Thus, the action of lying, deceiving, or shutting down completely will be implemented. Absolute denial and the preferable belief of fake news or that something never happened comes into effect. History itself has been rewritten in order to secure the untrue, unreal reputation of this nation on the premise that it's not a racist country. There have even been attempts to destroy the knowledge of parts of its secret shame so that this nation would never have to face the facts of what it has done to black human beings who were forced to come to this land and remain here as slaves. The 1619 Project, a school curriculum linked to the New York Times is an initiative that aims to reframe U.S. history by putting the legacy of slavery and the contribution of Black Americans at its center. This curriculum is once again the target of Republican lawmakers who seek to ban the materials in three states. Anything that's hidden and secret is kept in darkness, and it's that darkness, the dark area of our lives and of this country, is where the enemy will rule. It's in the place that many want to remain unseen and secret to others that allows for fear, lies, and insecurities to be in control. It's also in these dark places that the enemy torments the minds, hearts, and spirits of people. He torments with the false notions that the things that are kept hidden are the things that cannot be talked about and must continue to be emphatically denied. However, we cannot continue to deny racism, white supremacy, and the hatred dwelling in the church and the body of Christ. Again, as I always, always state, these are the things that must be talked about without accusations, condemnations, or argument. They must be talked about with hearts and spirits that are open to hear. They must be shared openly so that these things are never done again. In order for the body of Christ to grow and develop as God intended, racism in the church must be destroyed. The fear that holds white pastors and white church goers of their black, brown, and Asian members rising to an equal ranking cannot continue in the church or the secular world. But since so much of it, I would dare say most of it, started in the church, then this is where the end must start. How could such a thing as racism and hatred against black people have started in the body of Christ. Because it's the word of God that was bringing and causing conviction to the spirits of so many slave owners, they had to do something. They had to make a decision, like anyone who's being convicted by the Holy Ghost, as to whether or not they would accept that conviction 
and change or persist in their wrong and make excuses for it. They needed to use the Bible in their own lives to help themselves as Christians to ignore the conviction of the Holy Ghost concerning their wrongs. They were able to twist the word of God to conform to what they wanted and desired. They would distort God's word in order to justify their sin. There was no other way for them to have slaves, treat them so inhumanely, have sex with and rape the women, sell the children, and still call themselves Christians. As time went on, these twisted truths were taught from the Bible and remained in their teachings and in their hearts in order to justify racism in the body of Christ. But we must all remember Revelations 22, 18 through 19. The Amplified Classic Version reads, I personally, solemnly warn everyone who listens to the statements of the prophecy, the predictions and the consolations and admonitions pertaining to them in this book, if anyone shall add anything to them, God will add and lay upon them the plagues, the afflictions and calamities that are recorded and described in this book. And if anyone cancels or takes away from the statement of this book of prophecy, these predictions relating to Christ's kingdom and its speedy triumph, together with the consolations and admonitions or warnings pertaining to them, God will cancel and take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the city of holiness, purity, and hallowedness, which are described and promised in this book. With these warnings from the Bible, in which so many of these slave owners truly believed, in order to spare their minds, their very sanities, and their hope for salvation, they needed to believe the Bible from a different perspective. This is why white supremacy can continue and persist in the church and the body of Christ. And this is why there is no repentance for the sin and the crime of slavery and racism. In Germany, there is a stone in the streets of about 1,200 towns called Stolperstein. This is literally a stumbling stone, metaphorically a stumbling block. This stumbling stone is a 10 centimeter, 3.9 inch concrete cube bearing a brass plate inscribed with the name and life dates of victims of Nazi extermination or persecution. These stones are embedded over at least 1,200 different cities and towns throughout Germany at the last known address of each Jewish person or family whose name is on that stone. Germany has done this in regrets and admittance of the nature of the crime committed against their fellow human beings, the Jews. These stones are a memorial as well as a reminder, not only because of their guilt, but also to remember so that no such atrocity will ever be committed again. The German generals who were in charge of the concentration camps and ordered the internment and death of the Jews, those who did not commit suicide, were hunted down, tried, and put to death. The generals of the Confederacy who were not only cruel slave owners, but led the battles that killed thousands of Union soldiers in order to maintain slavery, 
were rewarded by the government along with the plantation owners through retribution and monuments. These monuments, street names, school names, and even towns, counties, and parishes have long been held in high esteem along with the rebel flag that represents slavery and the oppression of blacks until this day. These men, in spite of their atrocities against other human beings, were never called into account for their actions. Instead, they were literally regaled as heroes of the Confederacy. Retribution was paid to the Jews by Germany, and retribution was paid to the Japanese after the internment here in the U.S. during World War II. Retribution was also paid to the former slave and plantation owner for their losses during the Civil War. No such retribution was ever paid to the slaves or has ever been paid to the descendants of the former slaves. In the words of Isabel Wilkerson, and I quote, slavery was not a dark chapter in the history of America. It was the basis of its economic and social order. For a quarter of a millennium, slavery was the country, end quote. Without the labor, contributions, and lives of slaves and blacks who were then and even now today treated as less than human, this country would never have developed into being the strongest nation in the world. The inventions, medical breakthroughs, innovations, discoveries by slaves and descendants of former slaves have never been acclaimed or given credit to the black race. This nation, especially the South, would have easily gone in an entirely different direction had it not been for the slaves who knew how to work the land and cultivate its crops. Many would have died had it not been for the knowledge of various medications brought by the slaves from Africa. Had the slaves been accepted and treated as humans, not enslaved, beaten, killed, sold off, and separated from their families, the arrangement between the two cultures would have been beneficial to both. But because of caste, the belief that one race had to be better than, more than, above, and different from the other race, no such arrangement was ever considered. I was amazed recently to learn that before slavery, there was no such word as race. The word had never been heard or even used as far as most people from other nations were concerned. In Europe and on other continents and nations, people were identified by their place of origin, not their skin color. An Irishman or German or Russian was not white until he came to America. It was only then that he had to accept the identity of being white or identified by something other than where he was born. Not until he came to the United States did he have to enter into a caste system of being better than, more than, and above someone else only because of their skin color. And with that change of identity also came the change of how he treated that person who was supposed to be beneath him. In order to be accepted by other quote unquote white people, 
in order not to be ostracized and have a decent chance at success and advancement in this nation, he had to be recognized and act as white. There was no option of being borderline or impartial. He could not be neutral or detached. He had to choose a side, and of course, that side would ultimately be the side with the most power. He would choose to be counted for the first time in the history of his family and ancestors to be what was now called a white man. In spite of his intelligence, character, morals, honor, or integrity, if he could say that he was white, it put him above anyone and everyone who was not white. At the same time, for the men who were given the title and race of not being white, the shades of their skin tones, and of course how they entered into the United States, determined their rung on the ladder of race. Without a doubt, those at the very bottom were the ones that never asked to be here in the first place. They were the ones who were kidnapped and forced into this nation that were on the very bottom. The people with the darkest skins, not because their skins were so dark, but in order for those who stole them from the love and arms of their mothers, fathers, communities, and their nation could continue to live with their atrocities, they had to be seen as less than human. For their own sakes and sanities, they had to convince themselves that what they had done and were continuing to do was all right. However, such a deception came with a price. The answer to the original question as to what made whites now and then able to be so cruel to the slaves and blacks today is the deterioration of their minds and humanity. No one, absolutely no one in their right minds with a trace of humanity could do what was done in the past, teach their children to do the same generation after generation and remain unscathed. Germany faced and admitted their wrong and guilt. They were willing to accept their responsibility in the deaths of over 6 million Jews in the Nazi concentration camps. Nazi swastikas are illegal in Germany. No one can wear an armband, shirt, wave a flag, or anything else wearing or bearing a Nazi swastika. Rather than denying what was done, they've accepted and repented for their past and have been able to move on as a nation. Yet here in the United States, the very emblem that is an, that is an absolute affront, offense, and slap in the face to black people, you can see on flags, hats, shirts, trucks, and anything else where it can be exhibited. The rebel emblem is proudly displayed all over the United States and was even seen in the Capitol building at the insurrection in January. Although only about 400,000 slaves were brought directly here to America, by the time of the end of slavery, it was believed by some estimates 
to have been anywhere from four to five million slaves here in the United States. These were four to five million people who would never know parents, grandparents, siblings, or even their own children. It's totally unknown as to how many died through the cruelty, beatings, hangings, torture, and starvation of their owners. And yet no one was ever called to account for those things. No one was ever made to help the former slaves reconnect with the children, husbands, or wives who were sold from them. Families were never allowed to develop because the sole purpose of the slave was to work and reproduce for the prosperity of their owners. Generation after generation, for 400 years, there was no such thing as a stable family among slaves. Jumping the brim was the marriage ritual, and that lasted only as long as was convenient to the master. The wives of slaves were not their wives first and only, but a woman to be used at the pleasure of any white man who chose. And of course, the slave could say nothing at the cost of his life. Is it any wonder why there are still dysfunctional black men today who don't or won't take responsibility for their families? The white Southern slave owner broke, no, totally destroyed the knowledge, understanding, and unity of the sanctity of marriage within the black race. He allowed no bonding, security, or established relationships between the man and his family for hundreds of years, and then when slavery ended, told him to go and be a good husband and father. But then when some black men could not accomplish being stable husbands and fathers, not just because of what happened during slavery, but along with the oppression and racism that continued against him as a black man, he was looked at and judged as a failure. No one put forth an effort to restore, repair, or reinstitute family values among the former slaves, but yet for most, for the majority, it was accomplished in spite of the hostility, resistance, and obstruction. The black man and families continue to thrive, develop, and do well. Black Christians continue to grow in their relationships with God in spite of the erroneous, biased teachings that they were given from the Bible. They learn to hear God for themselves, to know his word, and accomplish all that God ordained for them to accomplish. Black Christians have learned to forgive in spite of the wrongs done to them and in spite of never being asked for that forgiveness. In spite of every opposition, in spite of Jim Crow laws and racist blockage, we as a black people have continued to learn, prosper, and progress, so much so that there has even been a black president and now a black female vice president. God's promise to his black sons and daughters to deliver and set us free will not fail. And yet, Racism persists. I would dare say that many whites will find themselves, as Gamaliel warned the Jewish consul, fighting 
against God himself. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.